We are on page 304, okay, in Ale Short. The are in the second half of the seventh Vad, Amuna Ba'ilam Haba. I thought we'd do the eighth Vad also, but let's keep it short. We're just going to do this part of it. Excuse me. So last time we started talking about the idea about why it's so important to have Amuna Ba'ilam Haba, uh, what it represents, and you can go back through, it was a good Vad. But one general idea, at least the way that I remembered, I should have uh, looked back through it more, is that you know we generally tend to think we have this world, we have avoda in this world. Let's say a person did everything that they were supposed to do in life. What's the difference whether and to what degree they look at the next world, the reward, they're being a perfectly good Jew, keeping all 613 mitzvahs, learning Tyra. Why is there such a focus on Ailam Haba? Okay, that's true. Let me present it to you differently. If I told you that the scope of life was eternity, a gajillion years, and this life was 120 years, so proportionally, this life is really a very minor part of a person's existence. They existed for a million years before this 120 years. They're going to exist for a million years after this 120 years, mm-hmm. right? So, and I'm just using a million as a number. What is, the, what is this world? This world is an incredible amount of power because it gives you really life is nitzchi. Really life is eternal. You're getting, you're getting close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This slice of existence, when we're in this world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts us into a frame where we have Bechira and Avoda, etc., so that everything that we do can leverage our position in the real eternal world. There's eternal significance, which means that once you look at your speech, your thoughts, your actions in a way that you're actually leveraging eternal existence, tremendous impact, you're creating connections between you and HaKadosh Baruch Hu that ultimately you will benefit from and that you're going to live the consequence of for the rest of eternity, that is a f- profoundly different way of understanding the scope and the power and the significance of everything that goes on in your life than if you just say, listen, I'm here and I'm gonna do, I'm gonna move the pieces around the board and I'm gonna do whatever I'm supposed to do, right? If I gave you a game, I said, if you win, the person will live. That's a very different idea of moving the pieces around the board than just saying, I want to win the game. It's a, it's a different, something different is tied to the actions. Mm. And it's not just in terms of the effect, right? I don't know if we mentioned it last time, Nefesh Chaim talks about it. It's not just a matter of like, you know, if you do this, I'll give you $100. We believe that, you know, even our Oilam Haba is built from our mitzvahs. Our very mitzvahs themselves have actual direct consequences that will benefit from. We're just not sensitive to in this world. So let's put that aside. Shin, uh, on page uh, 304. The Chayvis Halavavas at the end of the Sefer says, The Nefesh wanders around in the, the roads of your understanding, basically that it's uh, that, that it, the the nefesh is like wandering in the building that you uh, that you dwell in in the dirt. It's talking about the body. It's like a disgusting goof and carcass. So he seems to say on one hand, at the end, he starts talking about the idea that the nefesh is basically, you know, wandering and attached to this very lowly, 
you know, insignificant rotting, you know, a body is just the lowly of low. When the nefesh, when the neshama leaves the body, the body goes back to worms and, you know, to the dust. Earlier on, the first chapter in the Sefer, the second chapter in the Sefer, uh, right after after he goes through belief in Hakadosh Baruch Hu, etc. But uh, in terms of uh, as relates to Aravod in this world, the very first shar, second shar of the sefer, is shar bechina. Shar bechina, he goes through being able to literally see neflois habayre to thank Hakadosh Baruch Hu, to recognize the godless of the body, and then if you if you fast forward all the way to the end, he seems to say the body is this terror, tremendously lowly thing. What's the picture that we're painting over here? The truth is that we're very far from a tangible amuna in Oilam Haba. The way that we look at ourselves, are we looking at ourselves, our likes and dislikes, our rut zone, the scope of our personality and our identity as our physical body, right? And the fact that we also have a neshama, there's neshama, there's a life force, there's a spirituality associated with our guf, or do we look at our neshama as being the driver, the driver is driving a car. The interaction of the neshama with the world is via the body. So yes, in terms of the pleasure, pleasure is in a certain sense is a spiritual experience. Uh, one person likes this, another person likes that. So the, ple- the, the, the taste receptors are going to allow a certain sense of pleasure that ultimately, ah, I'm going to use that to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, it's, it's a binary question. It, you know, it, it, when one goes up, the other one goes down. So he says, we're very far away from living in a spiritual world while we are in here. A person could be a Ben Oilam Haba. It doesn't mean that they're going to Oilam Haba. It means right now, like a Ben Taira. You're Ben Oilam Haba now. You're here, but you're, you're a, a member of Oilam Haba. But over here it says that we're very far away from having a tangible moon Oilam Haba. And the reason is because we're so shakua, we're enveloped, we're immersed in guf things. If somebody would say that you're a combination, a mixture of a guf and a nefesh, who do you identify with? Right, the Balatanya already starts saying, on one hand, you know, a spiritual person says that I be'etzim am an ashama, I'm a chelik elukami mal, and for now I'm in a body, but ultimately when the body goes away, it goes back, the neshama goes back, I, I didn't, uh, a person doesn't die, they transition from one interface, one interaction, one place in existence into another. But be'etzim, they're an ashama. They, the, the, the true them goes to get reward and punishment and, you know, finished. On the other hand, it says, Elokai, Neshama Shinasata Bikirbi. So the Balatani talks about it. That sounds like I'm me, and the Neshama comes into me. Right? So it says, So we're mixed of Guf and Nefesh and Mishneim, Who do you identify with? Where is the essence of your life felt? Expressed. If we're honest, that's the reality. We identify with the guf. We get up. We look in the mirror. Uh, we, what are our likes? What are our ambitions? What, what do we enjoy? Taste. You know, what experiences do we enjoy? The truth is, most people, if we're honest with ourselves, we identify with our guf and those ideas. 
his das and my gof like the more that somebody identifies in a this worldly consider this worldly form framework, the less he can tangibly relate to this existence as just sort of being a chalek of a much larger existence. If I told you that I'm going through different stages, right? Sometimes, or let's say a person has to put on a uniform or a smack while they paint. Nobody's going to identify with the smack, right? I'm, I'm putting on uh, something. I'm, the neshama was there before and after this slice of 120 years. It puts on this smack. It puts on this body while it's in this area so that it can do what it has to do, etc. Why are we identifying? The more that you identify with this world, the less you identify as a ben oilam haba. That's a non-physical world. Only the nefesh will go there. The body has no place in the oil of the the, the piece of the Chayvis Halavavis at the end of the Chayvis Halavavis, where he's giving the sharp Musr, is speaking to somebody who fully identifies with the Nefesh, and the body is a limiting factor. Either the Nefesh would like to experience sublime pleasures, and in this world, the only way that it can activate whatever sense it gets through the idea of pleasure is through eating something physical. It's a limitation. It's not an expansion. The body is a very limiting thing. Guf nimas ufegr muvas, and what is ultimately, it's a disgusting body, a car comes in a shama, something that's incredibly sublime, something that doesn't have any bodily limitations, and nevertheless it has to only interface uh, through Tyre and Mitzvahs through this body. It's a tremendous limiting factor. I mean, imagine if a person, you had to interact with something, you had to be like in the body of an earthworm. It's a very disgusting thing. And he says, the Chavis Alvavis at this point had such a clarity over his identity, this is how he came to feel. Now that doesn't mean, again, the beginning we're looking at the world to identify, appreciate HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Eschabras uh, interactions with the world. So you can see in the Flayas HaBayre in every aspect of the world. But from the point of view of an identity of the neshama having to be in a guf even to express itself in this world, it's a tremendous limiting factor. But everything we do is the binyan guf. We eat, we get a job, we have to get clothing. Everything we do seems to relate to our physical needs. So you're telling me that I'm supposed to not identify with the guf, and yet everything that, I'm, that, I, that I relate to in this world is guf related. Here's number one. Without doing anything differently, this has a tremendous amount. By the way, this could work for dieting. This could work for anything. When a person's trying to work on themselves, even just realize, like, you know, when it comes to, to, to dieting, or, so let's say a person doesn't realize you're, you're literally consuming 700, 800 calories a day in a handful of this, a cup of that, not even counting it as a snack, let alone between meals. Just sometimes just being conscious every time you do something, you know, breathing in a wet lush and hara. If you had to write down every time you made a negative statement about anything, mm. you would do it a lot less. There was a book. The Complaining Book. The Complaining Book, one of my favorite books, right? The, 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 the Complain Free World. A lot, of, a lot of working on not complaining literally just has to do with breeding an awareness of how negative you are during the day and then you become to be repulsed like by yourself. You just stop doing it. 
right? And it starts bothering you when other people do it. It's just breathing a consciousness and awareness. So just for two weeks, just think about what role does Eilam Abba place in your life? If you discover that the truth is, is that your comings, your goings, your conversations are just very this worldly. You, uh, unless what you said, well, well, I just don't have any real conversation. If I would have a real conversation about my ambitions and my goals, my likes and dislikes, I would talk about oh, my I'm just a very shallow person. I don't think about those things. Said, that's not really an answer either. But if if you think about, it, you go through life and just you're not talking about this, right? What's driving you? What are my ambitions? Why am I making certain career decisions? I'm talking about my kids. Anything, right? So if 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 you're just not talking about the eternal consequences of your actions, so then. You have an eye-opening, uh, you know, window into yourself. In our world, we're just, so he says, there's a key point here. In our world, even in our natural, our natural world, we become very detached from life. Most of us don't own cows and chickens. We'll see where he's going in a second. We don't have a garden. Where we grow vegetables and things. And if you would see a beautiful view, it doesn't even speak to us at all. And he's talking back then. What we want is we want to take a picture. Okay? So there, there was a, uh, I don't remember if I saw it or if I think I read about it. Um, I might have YouTubed it afterwards to see the commercial. But the way that I remember reading about it was that there was a family that was taking a family vacation and like the teenager or whatever was just very, very, very disconnected from the family vacation. I've definitely mentioned this before. And at the end of the vacation, they all get home and they're all sitting around and they're kind of down on this kid who just like totally was divorced from the whole family during the whole vacation, not participating, always off to the side, playing on his iPhone. And then all of a sudden he walks over to the screen and he like, you know, attaches the phone to the screen and he videoed the whole thing. And it was supposed to be like, oh, look, you know, he was able to capture. Yeah, but he missed the whole life experience. He missed the whole connection. He missed the relationships. He missed living it. You know, forget, forget about doing it. So the whole thing is like to take a picture for social media. And I'm sure at this point that there are studies on this, you know, whether it's endorphins or hormones or however it works. Does a person enjoy more going on vacation or the posting about the vacation afterwards? Like, in other words, would you rather go on a... Would you rather go on a worse vacation if you could tell people about it or a better vacation if you couldn't tell people about it? I was talking to a kid, I think I mentioned you the other day, about whether to buy a, like a totally $200, one of these designer belts that all the kids are into. And I said, well, if you had a choice between buying a $200 Ferragamo belt, $400, I don't know what they are, maybe they're on sale, $200. This is what kids are buying. You could buy a $400 belt, but the deal is you have to tell everybody it's fake. Or you could buy a fake one in Chinatown and then real enough that you could tell everybody it's real. Which one would you rather have? And the kid like had an existential crisis. Because at first he was like, oh no, it's not for everybody else, it's for me. So I said, oh, if it's for you, so then tell everybody it's fake. Well, uh, 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 no, the answer is maybe you just rather buy something for like 20 bucks and just tell people it's real, it is what it is. But, you know, so he says we're, we're experiencing things solely for the purpose of the picture. But what about the experience? We're not living life. You go to a simcha, you go to a deep emotional experience. A person is joining 
the nation of Klal Yisrael, an eight-day-old baby. It's a mazel tov. You go to a wedding, and people are more focused on getting good pictures than they are at closing their eyes and living the experience. Take a picture, put the camera away, close your eyes, and live the moment. And people don't do that. They're more concerned about getting the photos that they, they, they're not able to connect even. Now, this, he says people didn't research. At this point, I bet you people have researched it, although I'm sure it's fake news, right? Do we research how much technology actually takes away from our life? Now, what happens is, is that the fact that we're now living essentially through technology so what's technology? We build technology, which means that if our life is made up, we're divorcing ourselves from the emotional life experience and, li- and life is made up only of the technological stuff and we're the ones who made technology. So that means that there's a tremendous, there's a tremendous in, in life experience. The value even of experience is translated into something that's man-made. I mean, worth listening to twice here. As when a person would live with Teva, Oid Markish Mide Pam, Shayu Toloi Bibrocham and Shemayim, Shay Geshem, Shay Parashar to come to Abrios. If a person literally, like the, the house, you know, the house or cow had to give the milk, you know, you were lying on the rain, so then you were davening. There was a story I read a while ago in like either Alain Lushabach or maybe Rav Haim Kinevsky's Chumash English farm that they put out. One of these stories, I think maybe it was Rav Steinman who said it. I forget what exactly what the story was. Um, but the crux of the story was that somebody went and said, can I, can I have a moon that like, I'll, I'll make an agreement and uh, you know, that I, I don't know what my financial situation is going to be going forward. Like, can I accept it on myself and I'll do my best? So his answer was, is do you make a salary or business? So he said, you know, like, well, I think he said business, whatever it was, but he was asked afterwards, what's the difference? He says, a person who's, who makes a salary, so the truth is, is that they don't live with as much amuna. They know that they're going to get $1,000 paycheck, let's say, whatever it is. And this is where they have a good week, they have a bad week, this becomes their paycheck. They're not davening to Hashem for this week's parnasa. A person who does mortgages and they know what it means to have a good month and then three bad months and not really know what, what's coming down the pike, they literally are always... Uh, do, a dwindling check away from starving. Farmer. So these things, yeah, but most people that we know are not farmers. But the point is that people that recognize that they live on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Cheshben, so then those people are just more connected to life. technology, Now everything is totally in the health of the machine. Mm-hmm. Everything is totally in the, uh, in, in the health of the machine that was man-made, not on the life of a cow. The way that we relate to the world through technology gives levels of separation from the idea of an oilam haruchni, where we're basing ourselves on Hakadosh Baruch Hu making a rain and the cow living on spiritual things. Because technology becomes the source and it's man-made, it just puts extra barriers between a relationship with the nefesh. It becomes a, 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 a like a, a, a soul without a mind. Even what we're living, but we don't, 
it's, it's just practical, it's real, there's no seichel. What does this mean? Listen to this. Listen to this, it's important. It says, a seichel is the instrument that a person is makabal in this world. We had a whole section on the difference between the mind and the heart, right? And the way that we basically defined it, according to what I remember, is that the seichel is something you know, it's your intellectual faculty, and your lave, it manifests also as emotion, but it's really your operating system. There are things that you know that just becomes inherent in how you look at the world. It's just part of, part of your being, right? If I asked you, you know, something you might or might not remember it. If I asked you whether or not you, silly example, you walk on your hands or you walk on your feet, you know, which, which part of your body, that's not something you have to remember. That's just part of your operating system. It's part of your life. It's part of what you understand, right? Your wife, your children, whatever, your relationships. So the seichel, there's, a, you have to, you know, uh, what is it? Right? The line between what you know and what you experience what you feel, what you, what's in your lave is very, could be very great, but the seichel is the thing until you repeat it over and then you figure it out and then you think about it. The seichel is able to bring things into the lave. Ultimately, our munar bitachin, our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu is something that we want to live in the lave. The seichel is how we socialize it into the lave. The Adam, the Seichel, we won't even have the Seichel really. The Yesh Adam, all we're going to have ultimately is what we were successful at in molding our lave with. Meaning, I'm sure you've heard these types of things. Adam Haba is a shtender and Gehenim is a shtender, right? What's the difference? At that point, everybody's Seichel will understand that there's only a Kaddish Baruch Hu. At that point, there won't be any questions. Everybody's going to know the truth. But the difference is going to be what you personally identify, come to love, come to appreciate. If you come to appreciate the relationship with a Kaddish Baruch Hu, so then you're going to live it. That's going to be Adam Haba. Otherwise, if it never went into your lave, so then you'll be stuck with whoever you were. Your personality will be there. A lot of Gemaras that talk about this. And Muno Midas Taivis is the lave. Building up the guf destroys spirituality. Yeah, listen. Some people probably want to delete this paragraph. You're not going to live without technology. You're not living out machines. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. The reality is that the world is the way that it is, and we have to utilize the world. I mean, at some point, what, what do you want to do? Like, you know, pretend there's no cotton gin, right? You're going to go back and gonna destroy the industrial revolution. So at some point we say we're resistant to new technology, and, uh, you, you know, it's not, uh, it's not regulated, and we don't know how to use it well, and it's too much. Um, you know, on the other hand, Go find me a person that wants to go to like a witch doctor, okay? I guarantee you, no matter how sick a person gets, they want to go to a doctor who has the most up-to-date technology. We're not trying to live in a world without technology. That's just not the reality that we live in, right? Everybody's very happy that there's technology when they need to take medication. We live in this world and we live with the guf. Our trouble is with the avas ha'olam and a guf. Again, the question really becomes... What are your likes? What are you turned on by? Okay, the, the fact that you utilize technology, every, we're not Amish. 
Everybody wants to lease a new car. Nobody is going and saying, we don't want technology, so I'm going to go find a 30-year-old car, okay? We all want to benefit from it. But the question is, what, what's your world? What, what occupies your thoughts? What, are you turned on by the advances in technology? Are you turned on by a pshat and a taisvis? What, what lights you up? Because that already becomes, becomes an opposite relationship. If what turns you on and what you identify with are the things that are the most advanced in the world of guf, so then that necessarily is going to have the, the inverse of what turns you on from the world of spirituality. Those two things are going to have an... Yes, we all understand that the ruchnius, that the nefesh operates within this world. This is the interface, and we want to benefit from it. I mean, ultimately, we're all happy to have a printing press. Yeah, nobody's writing out shas anymore. We want nice svarim. I mean, you, know, you can go from one example to the other, and I'm sure you could say, well, oh, that's just different than, uh, than a smartphone. Okay, maybe yes, maybe no. But the point is, the real problem is, is that a lot of, especially the advanced attachment, the interactive ones, you know, the, the, the AI, whatever it is, at least in terms of this particular presentation, I'm sure there's more problems and, you know, everybody's going to say whatever. But what is that it's engaging? It draws you in. It goes into your mind. It's generative, right? It's iterative. It's not just a matter of like, here I am and I'm going to use something. I'm going to use a ballpoint pen. Right? All of a sudden, you literally can have a relationship. Right? All of your personal information goes into your phone. You, you, you start like living it. It becomes like almost a limb. I'm sure, again, I'm sure that there's studies about this. You know, people would rather lose, uh, like, who knows what, than lose their phone. It literally becomes a part of them. And, and they, they start really like having a different type of relationship with it. So that's the problem, the Avashavo. What we have to do is enter Oilam Haba. We have to become a Ben Oilam Haba. This 120 years, Be'ez Hashem, is a chalik of our life, and it's one of the most powerful chalakim of our life. It's the only part of our life that actually has leverage over the, the substance of the main part of our life, which is going to be in Oilam Haba. However, we need to become a Ben Oilam Haba now. There's nobody that doesn't think about death once in a while. Maybe young people. I mean, nowadays, you know, especially with social media, every time you hear something, you know, everybody thinks, I knew that person. I literally just got a social media, whatever, raising money for somebody who I know very well. Well, I don't know him very well, but I knew him well. Okay? Acquaintance, a very good acquaintance. And it said his wife came down with uh, an illness and, uh, and he's been out of work for a couple of years, right, since I don't know what he did. I haven't seen him in 25 years or more. But the point is that there's nobody who doesn't say, like, these were regular people. This guy was like a cool guy, right? Like, if this could happen to him, it could happen to anyone. They look healthy. They look, you know, in shape. Like, how, how could it be? All of a sudden, this guy's world just, like, collapsed. Yeah? So there's nobody who doesn't think about mothers once in a while. People think about death. There's, at some point, everybody gets that bitter drop thinking about death. Very important. When you think about death, it's very scary. We would like to have, be in this world as long as we possibly can, all 120 years of it. However, just understanding what death is, death is not lights out. Death is the point of transition between this stage of existence and the much broader state of existence that's in the next world. Again, we want as much as possible life in this world. However, just to understand what death is, 
because our life, our personality, the personality that we have the opportunity to develop over here is eternal. It's a nitzchi thing, right? Leaving alone, here's a Mashiach, what's going to be in the 7,000th year and how is it going to look? Whatever. Bottom line is that we're going to live with what we develop in this world. The quality of that eternity is How do we live in this world? Remember the day of death and make provisions for the road. Clear Amuna in the next in Oilam Abba, Mishana Samabar Al Chayo Oilam Azah will change your perspective on this world. Maschilim Lahabit Al Avoida Zara, oh sorry, Maschilim Lahabit Al Oilam Azah, Kipruzur Lachayo Oilam Abba, Bahaskain Atzmacha, Bepruzur Kadeshit, he comes to the Traklin. You could look at this world as passage, as transient, right? One of the things I've mentioned before, which I don't remember, it was not my ha'ara, is that when you build a building, the hallway is built afterwards. Nobody builds the hallway and then builds a building that's going to fit the hallway. You build the, the building, and then as an afterthought almost, in order to facilitate access to the building, you build the hallway. When we say this world is like a prisoner and the next world is like a track room, this world is like a hallway uh, until the next world, what we're really saying is not that this world, Hashem created this world, and then the next world is the dessert. What's the ikker? This world, the next world is when you get paid back, but this is the main event. No, Hashem wanted us to have a relationship with Him. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted us to be misaneg El Hashem. What's the main place for that? We call, we call it Olam Haba, because that's our perspective. What's the best way to achieve that Having this world, this is how the Masil Sasharim starts off. However, we have to understand that relative to the main event, this world is Be'etzim, the transient, it's the passageway. It's not that this death is the end. We have to understand that this world is really the entranceway. Whatever we develop here, that's going to, that's going to create a consequence in the real world. Okay, right? That this is a place in Davin that we should think about this. It doesn't mean that you have to live in the dirt. It means as far as what you embrace, what you, what you think about, what you're amused by, what you're shashua. What's shashua? A game. What's a game? A game is something that's very real, right? When you play Monopoly, you really roll the dice and move around the board, but it has no real-world consequences. What you're amused by, what you're shakua in, what you're enamored with, but not, not just that it's, you know, you're not, uh, let's say, taking a college course in order to get education so that you can get a job. You're doing it because you were just, you're interested in, I don't know, comparative religions. This is what you embrace, what you're shashua in. I, I ask you an Orthodox rabbi whether that's even mutter to take a course like that. It might not even be mutter to take it, but the point is, is that like, at some point you're embracing this world or certain things for it itself rather than as a means to an end. This entire world is only a means to an end. Zed Darish seem a slave to me. This needs a constant attention. Our entire derach to all of these vadim is small baby steps. This is very hard to put into that framework. Think two or three times, believe in Musar. But most importantly, okay, when a person has atzvus, when a person has certainly yish, 
that impacts everything else. If you're 80% happy and 20% dissatisfied with something and you allow that 20% dissatisfaction to say, to, to also overshadow the other 80%, not only are you missing the 20%, you're missing the 80% also, right? I, I, my, I'm working on davening. My davening is pretty good, but there are certain things I need to work on. So then I think, okay, well, that means that my entire davening stinks and I, don't, I can't even lean into the part that I'm good at. Mm-hmm. So this idea, thinking about the day of death, etc., two, three times a week in Musr, and the day of death not as an end, but as a transition, as understanding that you're going to go to the real world, to the Nitzchiyas world, and that that is actually going to give meaning to be a Ben Oilam Haba now and all the actions now. However, it can't be that that is going to shade the, uh, that Atzfus is going to overpower this world. Okay, very good.